0: podcast that teaches you how to have a higher quality sex life, where I share cutting edge research in neuroscience and psychology, relatable stories and practical mindfulness based skills so that you can maximize your pleasure potential and unlock more awareness and energy in every area of your life. I am master life coach and mindfulness expert Danielle Savory and I am thrilled to be on this journey with you. Hello, everybody, and uh, welcome to... This week's It's My Pleasure podcast. I am so excited about this week because this is the first of many interviews that I'm planning on doing on the podcast. And I just am super excited to share another voice with you in this conversation for It's My Pleasure podcast. My intention with this interview and really with all of them, but also the podcast in general, is to offer you a different perspective, is to offer you value, is to allow you to start expanding your mind in such a way that the pleasure potential doesn't seem so far-fetched. No matter where you are with your relationship with your sexuality, you can begin to like look at it in a different way and question long-held beliefs and um, thoughts and experiences about yourself, about your partner, and about sex in general. And really, I just think it's so refreshing too, just to witness open, honest and wrong conversations about sexuality. And my intent with all of this is not only for you to allow your mind to begin to question how you're approaching your sensuality and your sexuality and question why is it that pleasure isn't that important to me and what do I want to do or need to do with this information to continue to like tap in to that, um, that potential within myself, but is Also for you to, of course, have those kind of like ahas and thoughts within yourself, but maybe it gives you some permission to begin to have these conversations outside of your own head, whether it's with your partner, whether it's with some friends, just realizing that this stigma or the shame or this guilt or awkwardness or any of the taboo sort of thoughts or feelings that we have around sexuality really are only in our mind. They're not actually real. And the more that we begin to have open, real conversations about it with those close to us, the more that we can minimize that stigma, that we can really step into our full power and our full potential and own our pleasure and talk about it, talk about it in a real open and honest way. And I'm just so excited because that allows us all to rise up, right? When we start talking about these things we've been cut off from talking about for so long that society or culture in general have told us is off limits. It is an act of rebellion in a way to be able to talk about about it openly and to pursue these conversations with the people that are close to us, and hopefully that will spread. So, this first interview, like I said, I'm very excited about, is with a newer friend, and I consider her a fellow deep thinker and intellectual, Rachel Sample. Her and I met a few months back um, in yoga class, and we followed that first meeting up with a lunch date that quickly turned into hours of deep conversation. I feel like her and I could just talk on and on and on, but we kept it, (laughs) we kept it, tried to keep it as succinct as we could for this particular episode. Rachel is an amazing woman. She's an artist. She's a teacher. She's an inspiration ninja, a doula, a contrarian, a Virgo, and a guide. Her friends not so lovingly call her the hot spear of truth, which just hurts so good. Rachel uses her BFA in theater making, a grad diploma in education, and her certification as a doula and as an Enneagram. I never can say that right. So if I'm saying that wrong, just that's me, not her. Um, (laughs) Enneagram, I think that's how you say it, coach, to create guided experiences for people who really want to just up-level in life in all sorts of ways. She also writes erotic stories. And this is one of the reasons that I... She came to mind the first time that I wanted to explore who I was going to have on this podcast. And they are written and built from this beautiful feminine, um, from the feminine and with feminist perspectives. She then directs real people, reading these stories to create an experience that will have your imagination spinning and your body reeling in anticipation. After this interview, I encourage you to check out Rachel's website. Um, I've linked you to her website. It's thefeltsense.com in the show notes. And here you'll be able to learn more about Rachel, but also her upcoming programs for creatives. You can download her amazing erotic audible stories and just learn about attending or hosting some of your own felt since experiences she leads these amazing experiences i've been lucky enough to attend one here in portland and she's hoping to expand these beyond just our city of portland but also finding um, other people that would like to host them in your own city so make sure you check that out Anyway, without further ado, it is my absolute pleasure to share this interview between myself and Rachel, and I hope you just enjoy this fun discourse that covers everything from the patriarchal approach to pleasure, porn and erotic stories, sexual intro and extrovertedness, and of course, we talk about how the felt sense was born and continues to grow from this day on. So please enjoy. Hey, Rachel. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thanks for coming.
1: I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. So, you guys, this is going to be the best. We have so much to talk about. Rachel is, as I just said in the bio, she's an amazing person who I've had the pleasure of meeting and attending some of her events. And I have some, you know, questions that I've even like pulled some of my audience that are specific to your writing. But before we even get into that, I'd love just to ask you, like, how did you? begin to get into this line of work, not just like the writing, but these amazing circles that you're offering, like, what was the inspiration behind that? And how did that unfold for you?
1: Sure. Yeah, I um The idea got sparked. Originally, I am an artist and an educator. And the idea got sparked actually on my way back from a lot of your Oregon listeners will know the race hood to coast and I was in the car and my teammates were all talking about how exhausted we were and how they were going to go out for a beer and go to a strip club. And, and I was like, Oh, fun. And they were like, Oh, you want to come? And I was like, well, yeah. And they were pretty surprised. I think a lot of men are pretty surprised when a woman is interested in going to a strip club and especially a woman who is Mm -hmm. um, dominantly heterosexual and I was like, yeah, but where are the strip clothes for women? And um, this started a conversation in which actually I got mansplained female sexuality, which was a delight, let me tell you. <laughs> well, I'm sure we could have a whole episode on that one. <laughs> we, we should, actually. Um, and But it sparked this idea in me that was about where are the places where women can experience a social, safe, and fun based experience with their own sensuality and sexuality that was for women who aren't necessarily sexual extroverts and aren't necessarily interested in sexual extremism. And that while, you know, Magic Mike and a good burles- burlesque show are really fun, there's not a lot of other kinds of spaces for women to have a place to explore the erotic that isn't also about trauma and then the felt sense was born and while i was dreaming and researching and thinking about this idea and our cultural bias that essentially we're so deeply embedded still in this very extremism idea of women's sexual sexuality that you're either a prude or a whore, and those are terrible words that I usually banish from my language, but that most women have this very shame-based idea of their own sensual self, then the felt sense essentially was a place to explore, well, what would those places be like where a woman could step really comfortably through accessing her own sensual self, her own creative self, with the idea that it is joyful and freeing and non-triggering. And that's how it all began.
0: I love it. And, you know, I mean, I've been to one of these circles, and they're absolutely amazing. And I think it's, it's wonderful that you're bringing these You know, it's different levels, too. But the thing that stood out to me about not only attending one, but what you just said is, what was the exact word you said, like, sexually, not aggressive, but like extroverted in a way, or what was... um, Yeah,
1: sexual extroversion. Yeah, yeah. Say more about that. I think the most of the sex industry is based on the male gaze. I think this is not new for probably any of your listeners. Or really anyone. Um, But even more so than just the male gaze, it's the entirety of the male sexual experience. The drive to orgasm as the only and primary drive is a very American, like, we must have results, uh, Mm -hmm. way of viewing (laughs) sensuality. Um, And in many cases, and I don't think this is all men, and not all my events have been for just women. I think that men are almost equally as excluded from tapping into their sexual selves. We're all very separated. However, because the industry itself is based on orgasm as results and visual stimulus as, a, as the primary driver, we forget that there are many other ways to be sensual and erotic that aren't visual, Mm -hmm. and the visual can lend itself to an extroversion. Being in spaces that are about seeing one another has, I think, developed into the sense that if you are at all sexually positive, if you are at all pro-sex, that you will naturally feel comfortable in a space where folks are, you know, spanking strangers in public and that you are (laughs) immediately kink, or that you absolutely want to be having sex outside of your marriage, that everyone who's sex positive is also polyamorous. And that limited thinking, I think, is still held by so many because of our fears about our fears, our limitations, and our oppression about sex from the inside. When I say sexual introversion, I mean someone who is wanting that middle space around their sensuality that doesn't necessarily need to approach exploration in an aggressive way.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You know, I mean, it's been interesting to even observe really being more out there with my work Um, and like with this podcast or doing live videos, like all of a sudden these these men in my life who I felt were safe quote unquote you know as like their friends and they're interested in what I'm doing began to like private message me that that they like it advances you know in this sort of thing because heaven forbid that I'm a woman who's openly talking about sexuality that must mean that I want something more outside of my marriage or like exactly what you said like there there must you know she can't just you know be talking about sex within her marriage like there must be all of these other things have you experienced any of that as you've become out with you know with the felt sense or with your erotic writing or anything like that have you have you noticed that response at all from people that you know or your community making assumptions about what it means about your sexuality or this introverted versus extrovertedness?
1: I certainly have experienced people viewing me differently. Let's be Mm -hmm. very clear about that. It was about a year and change ago that I had the first Felt Sense event. And Mm -hmm. I remember vividly, it was... 80 people. I sent it out to my entire community. I was very explicit and overt with what I was doing, that this was erotic writing, that this was an erotic experience. And I didn't get a negative response, but I certainly could sort of feel folks in my community looking at me differently, talking about me differently. I haven't experienced, oddly enough, advances in the way that I know other women in the erotic space do experience. And I also know that's just a matter of time. The experience of entitlement, the experience of, um, honestly, a misplaced sexual appetite and the entitlement around other people's bodies and attention that I think many folks, especially men experience that they can kind of ask for whatever they want without even asking for permission, I think is pervasive in our culture. And so my hope and dream with the felt sense is that not only will it allow women to access the place that they are their most sensual, their most alive but that in turn will also empower them to have really good, safe boundaries and be able to say, no, thank you, even in their most loving relationships to all kinds of, you know, expectations and behaviors that they don't want. I think that communication is super important when it comes to how you experience your sexual self. And I think our world is pretty confused about sex. Yeah yeah and i mean it's even going back to what
0: you just said like this orgasm you know focus mentality and the men and all of that like i just did a whole podcast episode just on that right this orgasm or this goal oriented and not and it's and it's so interesting like you bring that up and then also the communication because um some of the conversations i've had with my clients and even you know, just in my own personal relationship is like, it's okay. (laughs) Like, it's okay if that doesn't happen. That doesn't mean that we failed or it wasn't a good session or anything like that, right? You know, but even that kind of communication that it's not, it's not like we're learning this stuff anywhere, right? You know, and like what you said, what we're exposed to these visuals with pornography or anything like that. You would assume, like, if you were an alien coming from a different planet, coming down and watching human sexuality by what we're been fed, you know, as far as cinematographic depiction of of these relationships, that that's the goal. That that is where we're supposed to get. And so I think it's wonderful that even you and I are having this discussion, but there's more of these discussions happening that it doesn't have to be like that. And it and it makes sense from a biological point of view why we would think that is the end goal. But when we're really talking about like, you know, when you're saying women being able to just access themselves becoming more alive in that empowered place, that- there may be an end result of orgasm and there may not be, and that's okay. And even being able to communicate that with your partner or with the world.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I also think, I mean, back to your point about being sort of you know, solicited and people assuming that you want something outside your marriage is, again, this extremism of, well, if there's a woman who's willing to talk about sex, then she's clearly polyamorous into kink, is having sex with strangers. Like she's she's all she's in this bucket of all the things and more. And I automatically get access to that because she's clearly also open to solicitation and all of those things. And if aliens came yeah. down to look at the way we're having relationships, what they would see is it's basically, you know, when you get on a plane, and there's the little pamphlet of like what to do in, em- in an emergency. <laughs> yes. And yeah, and like the pamphlet is these like cartoon people, and they're very calm. And then it's like what people actually do in an emergency is like, insanely different than that. And yeah. so if you look at <laughs> a lot of you know, visual cinematic pornography. And there are some really wonderful exceptions to this. There are some wonderful yes, female- yes, especially make. now. Yeah. yeah, but you would see that there's the art we make about sex and then there's the actual sex we're having. And those are wildly different from one another. Where I think we get into a really deep and systemic issue with our sexuality isn't just that I think there is the goal-orientedness of it. But it's a much deeper conversation about permission to be our full sexual being. I mean, I can't tell you, and you know this, you have kiddos yourself, that I've had a few women in my uh, community. You know, my community is full of these amazing, incredible, creative, talented women and men. And I've had several of them tell me that they they will come to the events eventually, but they feel a little skittish about it because they're a mom. And that I also, so it's not only just being partnered, but there's a layer of mom that means that once I became a mom, I shut off my sensual and sexual self. And why do we think that as a society? Because we have shame about our sexual selves. And so you can't be a good mother while also being a lover and a wife in the way that is a sexual wife, you all of a sudden get boxed into this extremely, you know, genital less place. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. That isn't a reality for most women. And if you have a great community around you that allow you to express that, if you have a great partner that allows you to express that there's this beautiful blossoming of, personhood that comes through every stage of life. But if you work and operate and live inside a community that can't see you fully and can't see you as a whole person, you actually take on the boxing of yourself in internally. And you begin to share less and you begin to isolate. And I think a lot of women do this. And I think especially a lot of moms do this, is they begin to sort of quarantine their sexuality into this place, because the world has told them that it's dangerous.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's so many conversations. I mean, in my community, most of the women are moms, right? And just listening to them, even like, it it is, I mean, there's so much that you go through as a woman, once you have children that you I don't think it's on purpose, but it happens. Right. And it, and I think it's, you know, it's a deeper systemic issue of giving up the pleasures and the things that light us up once we become mothers, you know, it's, What we're doing for our careers or our work or hobby and our sexuality. But the sexuality piece, like you said, there's so much tied up in that as far as our culture and, you know, like the shame or that, you know, because it's this message like, oh, well, once you're married, but then it's like, once you're married and then you do it and then you have kids and then it's all done. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and um that we so we really literally only get like this sliver of our life that we're allowed to be sexual and i do think it's the community that we're around that can give us these message but then it's like whether or not you know we'll take some time for this system because it's been so many generations of this but you know, for any woman listening and the women that are coming into this, it's like, okay, this has happened, right? Like we have these beliefs, but it's our responsibility and not just responsibility, it's our our, it's our pleasure. Like, it's our option that we have an opportunity. That's the word I was looking for the opportunity that we have, right? Then to investigate these deep held beliefs. Like, why is it that I feel that because now I'm a mother, I'm less of a whole person, or the sexual- sexuality is not a part of me anymore? Like, that got turned off. Well, somehow.
1: Oh, I I totally agree with you. And I think that the the interesting paradox inside motherhood is and I there's a whole string of expectation that's really wedded with oppression of women and women's bodies that go our whole lives. And that sliver you speak of is the expectation is that a woman is allowed to be sexual right within that marriage confines, but until she has children and only even to have children, right? Like there isn't (laughs) sex or pleasure in so many like sort of oppressive paradigms around what centers around women. And I think for many women who are discovering how mistreated, even if they have never had sexual trauma or big T trauma around their sexual life, that internally and externally, our societies mistreat women sexually. And I don't just mean objectification, although that is part of it. I mean that we don't have ritual, we don't have lineage, we don't have education for women about What their sensuality and their sexuality is, means, its power, how to own it, how to build boundary around it, how to engage with the rest of the world with it from a place of, Mm A, I mean, everything from genuine, just sexual health, i.e. taking care of your vagina and vulva and all of your lady parts. Yeah, your pelvic floor, all of that stuff. Yeah. All of that all the way through to the ages and stages of our lives and how that affects our sex drive, our relationships, our creativity and all of those deeper that deeper subconscious energy that really has to do with life itself, not just creating life i.e being biologically pregnant, but being sort of spiritually and soul pregnant with something that is called possibility. I think that women's sexuality has so much to do with holding space for reverie, magic, wonder, and that juicy, tingly feeling of expectation. And inside our world, we don't have a lot of space for those things even not connected with sexuality. Um, So I think that, you know, accessing those places within our own womanhood and within our own bodies is a deeply rebellious place to explore. I love that women as a culture, I think that many women are turning toward their sexual selves as uh, curiosity and exploration. I think it's one great step towards a much bigger shift that needs to happen globally.
0: Yeah. yeah, I completely completely agree. I mean I think and I think it's just also just what's happening right now, right? you know there's there is a lot of this bubbling up of women being a little bit more curious you know, about it and being willing to do like, you know, go to these gatherings like you're creating or tune into a podcast like this or picking up books about it, you know, where before it it might have been a little bit more taboo. I mean, I even remember my sex education class, like in college, and there was just so much giggling still right you know like approaching a very childlike right like ooh hoo, hoo, hoo vagina penis and and now like there is I, you know obviously i'm older now but i think there is this and i don't know if you agree like this shift that is happening within women and within the feminine and being willing more willing than perhaps they have been in the past to step, even in just the last five years, yeah. right? To step into this and to, you know, even though I know you and I have similar circles, there's still that trepidation, but there's a little bit more of like, oh, maybe I'll get my toe wet. Where before it was like, I'm not even coming down yeah. to the lake. And well, and, I- <laughs> um, and for me, I've really felt that. Yeah. Like, you know, so I don't know. You know, like because it's like I tried doing this like four years ago, and it was literally like people would look at me like I was crazy. And now it's like so much encouragement and excitement, and like I totally want to listen to that. Where before it was like I might as well have been a leper.
1: Yeah, I Speaking I will tell this. you that I I think well I don't think you're a leper. I think you're delightful, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I. I will say that I think it's interesting and I think it's actually at the heart of our confusion about sensuality that like, I still giggle when people say penis and vagina, like, like they're in, <laughs> kind of Her butthole. literally write <laughs> like super deliciously savory, like edible pieces of erotic literature. Yeah. And then I direct these amazing members of the community in how to tap into their sexual self, into their power to say these words. Like this is literally part of the felt sense. And what I think is so interesting about sexuality, especially for women is I think also we've been taught that if you are a sexually empowered person, that you've lost all of that kind of nerves about sex. I'm going to say mm -hmm. that, These things are what makes sex so delicious and exciting is that there should be that feeling of excitement, anticipation, giddiness, giggles. None of that means that you're sexually behind or that you haven't, that doesn't necessarily, I shouldn't say that it doesn't necessarily mean that you've got some deep unearthing to do. And that every time you approach sex, you should be like, I am totally in command of everything. Like, that's, <laughs> not, that's not the answer. either. Yeah, that's such a good point. And yes,
0: yes, you're totally right. Because yeah. I do, I still giggle, especially when I'm talking to my partner. I'm like, hey, right. <laughs> you know, and like, you know, me, I'm a very sexually powerful person, but it doesn't mean that it's not it's Very playful. There's that playful part about it, which is amazing. I think my, I think when I was saying that about like that, that course was more just that. Um, um, it's a different. I don't know how to explain it, but it, you know, like where it was still like it was more like this, like they're showing you know pictures or like it was that kind of thing. Like there's, there's no way that I could even talk about this or this isn't a serious course or, you know, there was it it was it's different i don't know how to like what what exactly it is it's it's not a playful thing but it was yeah
1: our society m- yeah. misses the point in terms of container and i think that that i don't think we set up good containers for people to feel trusting to explore and i think especially with i think women and men i think that you know you've touched on kind of the heart of what makes these events and the women's circles work is creating a container where there is a piece of the nervous system that relaxes while also not
0: being Mm -hmm. so
1: comfy that you can't access the intrigue and the mystery that is sensuality, creation, and sex. And I think that space is what we're not taught To make. And that takes a high degree of communication. It takes time. And time is really seen as a resource in our, especially American Western society, that the slowing down and taking the time to breathe and be and listen and tune into yourself to go inside is like, well, I ain't got time for that. I want to have an orgasm or I don't have time for that. I want to get to the meat of this. What's the content, et cetera, et cetera. And especially if you're in a container that hasn't set up enough time, and this can be you know, a health class, this can be a workshop, this could be a meditation, this could be anything. But if people aren't given the expressed permission and the space and the time to connect, it almost doesn't matter how good and juicy the content is after that, because the container isn't there to receive it. Um, And the the information and the experience is just going to bounce off this extremely well-honed defense shell that I think most women walk around with, and rightfully so. We're continually given these messages of, you know, open, soften, get in touch, get in touch. And then we walk into the world and the world is still aggressive, especially sexually towards (laughs) women. And, you know, there has to Mm -hmm. be an equal measure of education and change happening within our societies at large about safe places and safety that can allow for all of this juicy in-touchness to breathe and be fulfilled. And at the moment, most people are kind of ping-ponging between, you know, going to like going to work. All these activities that are very cerebral, they're very, they're very left brain, and they're um, somewhat aggressive. The expectation of producing all the time, and then women and and men both want to drop into this really soft, sensual place. And there's a transition period to do that in a way that is honors who we are, that genuinely creates authentic connection, that allows for that safety to be there, which then begins the wellspring of mystery and delight and joy. Um, So that's I think one of the one of my main focuses in the live events and in a piece of the product I'm developing for folks to be able to do these circles in their own homes and, um, with their own female communities. Um, so you don't have to, you know, be in Portland to come to, an uh, mm-hmm. erotic writing circle, or you don't have to be here for the felt sense circles in person that you can do this with your people in, you know, Omaha, Nebraska, or wherever you live. So that's, that's something I'm focusing a lot on as I move forward, um, trying to bring this into the world more.
0: Yeah, I love it. And I think it is so important. I mean, whether it's in a group or even in your home and it's exactly what you're talking about and what I work with my clients one-on-one with is, right, it's like creating not just the external environment, but the internal context and within yourself, right, within your mind, within your body, so that you're relaxed enough. But then there is that little, you know, like, when we talk about like the nervous system, right, that parasympathetic and sympathetic, it's like, with sex, it's such this delicious like balance that's different than anywhere else because we have to at first get into that, that calm place, but not like, so we're ready to fall asleep or we're so relaxed. It's still, there's that bit of tantalizing or excitement or that nervous bit that is going to then bring you into arousal. Right. And, but it's, it is it's important about the environment and i think that's what a lot of women struggle with is that immediate whether you're out in the world or you're listening to erotic fiction or your husband has like takes an advance like it makes an advance on you <laughs> it sounds so technical like grabs your <laughs> grabs your ass while you're washing dishes right like it's this like We're not in this internal environment to even allow pleasure to enter, right? So it's like you have to create the space or you get to create the space, I should say, to settle into your body, to settle into your space, to settle into this place where pleasure can enter so you have a chance to send out an invitation for that delicious juicy sensual stuff to come in because if it's not Absolutely. it's just walls it's just blocks and it's nothing we're doing on purpose yeah. it's just the way the wi- we're wired and the way that the world is
1: yeah and i i think this also goes back to that same the conversation about communication and i don't mean when i say communication Like I am the first person to yawn my way through every single aspect of every single encounter should be talked about in advance, (laughs) unless that you find that sexy. Like there is an element of, you know, surprise and that, that can be Mm -hmm. very sexy, but this is at the heart of that communication is I don't think that, I think many partners assume that what they find erotic, their partner finds erotic. And like love languages, our eroticism is highly individual. And that can mean anything from the pressure of touch to is someone into... Surprise. Does someone need an invitation? How long should foreplay or could foreplay last? Um, what kinds of touching can happen? And it's all, that can feel very technical, but I mean, on a much deeper level, do you understand what turns your partner on? And when you are in relation to your partner, can you get with their preference as well as your own? That in and of itself, those conversations, it would be a game changer for many couples and married couples, non-married couples, polyamorous couples, even our one-time encounters or whatnot, having that understanding of self to say, And that self-acceptance to say, wow, it really does turn me on when I think about my partner getting sexy text messages from me and masturbating during Mm -hmm. the day. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's exciting to me. Can we play that out at some point? Maybe not right this moment, but hey, beloved person who I want to know me and I want to experience life with, this is what turns me on. This is exciting to me or I want to explore this. What does that feel like for yeah. you? Not everyone's sort of erotic self is going to be a match. That doesn't mean that your relationship isn't a match. It means that you have an opportunity to expand and explore how to make it work for all of you at the table. I think with our societal expectation that. M- the male, if you're in a relationship that has a male person or a male identifying person, that that humans experience their pleasure is somehow more important than the woman's pleasure. And because they have men who have penises tend to have a very clear indicator, i.e. ejaculation, that they have had a good time, which again, all of these Things are not true, right? Like just because a man ejaculates doesn't mean he has had great, and vice versa,
0: right? Like with a woman, it's like we could totally have an orgasm. I've had orgasms before, and I was like,
1: "What just happened? Was that even good? (laughs) like (laughs) That's not even a good (laughs) session, right? It's like the difference between you know, I have I have a young son who's learning to read, Mm -hmm. and there's a big difference between knowing grammar and writing every letter perfectly and communicating. And for sex, like all of the pieces, there is a constellation of pieces that's like that was a really wonderful sexual experience that most of us can probably name for ourselves, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. I really like it when this and, this and 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 I prefer to orgasm or I prefer to have it last for this long or this is kind of, you know, in my world there's like Five different types of orgasms. They're all really different. They're all delicious. Like, and I think because our society likes to sort of box in and and squeeze and make small, sexuality is. I think many women, especially women, tend to not even understand what they're looking for. Like, what is a pleasurable sexual experience
0: at yeah. all? And even as you say that, like one of the things that I think about, right, is like once you kind of hone in on something that was like amazing, right? You're like, holy shit, that was the most mind blowing sex I've ever had. Or that was unbelievable. What I've even found in my own sexual exploration is that if I go and try and recreate it, I cannot. Or it's not the same. It's not as like as mind blowing because we're taking away from the journey of it, right? So it's like we get in our mind, like, oh, this works or this works or this didn't. But then once again, you've gotten into your head, and and yep. it's and it is. It's that automatic like trying to quantify and and grasp and be like take these like ingredients right like these ingredients worked for my perfect bread and i'm going to put these ingredients in again well we all know we could all use the same ingredients to make bread but somebody's bread is going to take much different because it's like the journey and the kneading and all of the the space and the time and all of these other elements that you put into the the baking of the bread that it's not just the
1: ingredient. Well, and I think I'll use another food metaphor. As I think of I think of a sexual experience, and and I and I really want to use the word sexual experience because I don't necessarily mean sex, but like a the experience with yourself, with nature, with your partner, with partners, with groups of people. And I don't mean orgy. I mean like a burlesque show or an artistic experience. They're all like wine, like. Yes, you may be using, again, what you're saying, this process, but it's also about the moment you unlock yes. it, the moment you choose to say yes to it. And that in and of itself can make for a delight, a mystery or an intrigue or something interesting, or you pull out this bottle of wine and you're like, meh, I don't think I'm going to open that up today. Yeah. But every time you choose to, it's different. Yeah. It has a different life. Yeah.
0: Exactly. And also where your palate is to that day, right? So it's like, it's not even just the moment and the wine itself, but it's like, what did you eat earlier in the day or what mood you're in that it's going to touch your body differently, which is a really, I love that example. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I have a couple questions before we end that is more specific to your writing, if you're game for it. Yeah, so I was talking to this woman. I'm in this group, and she wanted me to ask: Is what do you think about how women are more likely to use erotica like as pre-play before sex instead of video porn
1: more than men? I think that that might be true. I think the reason that I built them as audio is from a a very practical standpoint. I Love it's hard to hold books. I while mean, you're trust me, care of <laughs> right? <laughs> like their their hands free. Yes. Like,
0: yes. we need our hands if we're trying to take care of ourselves.
1: True, <laughs> and. So I think that from that perspective, they're very, they're accessible to in, in a different way, right? You can play them over headphones, they're meant to be played over headphones, but you can also play them on a on a device and listen to them with your partner. They are built from each story is built from a female point of view. That's very specific to where I think the access is for women, is they want something, or a lot of women I know want something that really is made for them and isn't necessarily some of the stories are are stories with men in them some of the stories are stories with women in them some of the stories have more than one person in them so they're they're being built from a perspective that everyone has different turn-ons but i do think that I have been told <laughs> that women prefer them as a warm up. Now, the irony being is that I've had almost equal the amount of clients who are men, and I haven't yet asked them exactly how they're using them. And honestly, you use the stories however you want to use the stories. Yeah. They're really there for your pleasure. I mean, even if you're just listening to them from a, a literary or an intellectual pursuit they're not necessarily, they don't have to be sexualized in that way, even though they are incredibly overtly sexual. For some women, I've heard that they're very relaxing and that almost like you would listen to a meditation or a yoga nidra to go to sleep. Some women have found them to be so relaxing that they, it puts them in a very warm place to essentially go to sleep which I find also very interesting. So yeah, I think it all depends on the woman. Yeah. I think it all depends on the person. And I think it all depends on kind of what, you're, what you want to do with the story that day. Totally.
0: And I mean, even thinking about myself, it's like one of the things that I love about books in general, right? Like not necessarily erotic fiction is that place you get to go in your mind, right, where it is creating imagination. And you can picture yourself there, where even if I have found porn that I believe to be tasteful, let's say for me,
1: Or, um, let me me just interject that I don't necessarily want porn to be tasteful. I want it to be ethical. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I meant. That's what I meant by tasteful. I'll take the ethical, non tasteful porn anyway. Yes. (laughs) Yes. 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 That's what I, that's
0: what I mean. Like the, um, that was the wrong word. So thank you for that. (laughs) Yes. Um, and for me, you know, I, I can be part of the story, right? You know, and when I'm watching something, You know, like even as a kid, I remember reading, you know, just being lost in a book and like feeling like I was immersed and I was being the character where watching a movie and seeing somebody else playing this role, it's, it's harder for me to like go along the journey with them. Right.
1: Yeah, and that's why the, the stories are built in exactly that yeah. fashion. They're built to be immersive. They're built from a second-person point of view. They're built to go on a journey as the character and not necessarily watching or interacting with the character as other or as the, the narrator as other. Right. Um, that is, at the moment, very... It, pulls, it draws the listener in in a way that lets the scene paint in your imagination in a very specific way. Now, who knows in a year I might be we might be working on a couple different types of stories and some of them might be in first person or third person or you know have a visual aspect. I think that the I think that the core of the stories is that they are immersive in nature, that they are longer form. The shortest one at the moment is about 19 minutes and that they're from a deeply feminine perspective on sexuality and sensuality, that there is enough background and story to um, get into the more tantalizing or anticipatory aspects to the sex. So I think there's a lot to explore there and I'm very excited yeah. to do it with you, with other people in the community. Um, I and can't wait. What, I'm like already like what? tingling in my whole body. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ask me <laughs> questions of, like, what turns people on and not just their genitals, yeah. but their whole person. What, what flames creativity, what flames communication, what flames sensuality, what mm-hmm. flames sex, And that's where the stories get born out of. And I'm very excited to go into residency over the next couple months and, um, and be writing some more. Um, And in addition to that, I'm, I'm, I don't know if I've actually even told you this, but I'm running a small women's uh, six week class. Mm. That's all about what is sensuality, purpose, and creativity. And, That is going to be kicking off in April, and I'll probably start another one in the summer. Yay. Um, Is it going to be in person or online? It's going to be both in person and online.
0: So could people that don't live here be able to take this class? Yes. Okay, good. Yes. Yes. So we'll definitely make sure that you guys check out the show notes on this. There's going to be all the ways that you can connect with Rachel and all of the delicious offerings that she has for the world. And, you know, I wanted to ask you one more question to kind of sum up this. So how do you think the world, and we've talked on it a little bit, but how do you think the world would change if more women embrace their sexuality and prioritize their pleasure?
1: Oh, that's a great question. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I think the world would change pretty dramatically if more women were were given permission internally and externally and structurally in our world to claim their worth. And I think their sexuality and their pleasure would be a priority among many, which are all, all tied to their worth and their purpose and their right to be on this planet and not even their right to be here, but the exuberance about each individual person and what they have to offer. I think Mm -hmm. that women's sensuality and sexuality are one of the many pieces of womanhood in particular and personhood that we oppress and shame. And I think Mm -hmm. when women sit more powerfully inside those places, I think, and I've seen and I have felt women tap into their purpose, which means that they are able to do more, be better role models, be better citizens, and honestly, just be happier and more fulfilled and let go of the expectation of perfection, let go Mm -hmm. of the, these crazy expectations the world has on who we should be. And I put that in huge quotes. Um, yeah. And more and more people, women and men, would have permission to be who they are, to have self-acceptance for who they are. And from that place, we have more compassion. We love each other more. We love ourselves more. And there's more peace and fulfillment in general. Yeah.
0: I love it. Yes. I agree with all of that. Yes. Let's get, (laughs) let's make that happen.
1: Yeah. Let's make that happen. Oh, sorry. Well,
0: it starts with this podcast (laughs) and it starts with all the things, you know, that you're doing and we're doing and collaboration and just more and more women and talking about this, you know, I think that's a huge part, right?
1: Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Oh my gosh. It's been my pleasure. And, um, I mean, just real quick, just tell people how they can get in contact with you. And I will also link everything in the notes. But how can people get in contact with you right now?
1: Yeah, my my website is www.thefeltsense.com. And you can get a hold of me through that site. My email is there. My scheduler is there. The next events will be there. You can access the published stories there. And just keep up to date with what's going on. I do have a somewhat sporadic newsletter that you can sign up for and just keep tabs on what's coming next. Next for the health mm-hmm. sense will be a series of Enneagram workshops, this six-week course in sensuality, creativity, and purpose. I will have more erotic storytelling events coming up soon, and there's lots of other goodies on the way yay and what about on social media I am on Instagram at the felt sense and I am on Facebook but I am pretty lackadaisical about that platform because I so Instagram yeah yeah, yeah. follow her on Instagram folks. yes
0: yes okay well thank you again for joining Rachel it's been so fun
1: it's been great thank you so much for having me